0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Stand Up and Marvel. I'm your host, Michael Tracy, and joining me is my cousin, co host, co founder, Colin Tracy. How are you doing today, Colin?
1: A lot of titles. I'm doing uh, <laughs> great. How
0: are you doing, Mike? doing great man having a fantastic sunday as always with you and i'm looking forward to getting into it so today is january 9th 2022 in today's episode episode four we'll be ranking our favorite mcu movies from 2021 in the first year of phase four but before that we're going to get into some announcements colin do you want to take it away with the announcements
1: yeah sure so uh first we have uh, not a great announcement uh you may have already heard but Morbius has been delayed Uh, it was supposed to be january 28th uh, originally but it was pushed back to april 1st i'm a little suspicious because of the date they chose there but uh april fool's day uh (laughs) morbius coming up here um and uh then we just had a little bit of uh news that we heard about that we wanted to share um mcu made up 30 percent of the total box office in 2021 which is crazy and um I can honestly just see that getting higher (laughs) just with everything they have coming out here. I could just see that going up. So that's uh, just kind of a ridiculous fact. Um, And then a couple of uh, movies, uh, very important movies were added to Disney plus this week. Uh, So X-Men origins Wolverine and fantastic four. Um, Not necessarily Great movies, but, um, you know, obviously important for uh, for everything that we have coming up. Um, you know, we've got uh, Fantastic Four, most likely the second uh, reboot of Fantastic Four um, coming out at some point. We don't know when, but, you know, that's going to be a big deal when that drops. And then, uh, you know, X-Men Origins, obviously that coming over is just further signs that uh, the X-Men are coming. Um, so, Yeah. Uh, and then the final piece of news, uh, we did start up our social media accounts. Um, so there's uh, you know a lot of different places you can find us now. Um, and uh, we started our YouTube channel as well. So if you're listening to the podcast and want to see the video, want to see our, our awesome backgrounds here, whatever. <laughs> boop, boop. Uh, we are on YouTube now. Um, took a bit to get the first episode up there because we are definitely not uh, – experienced video editors so you know we we uh worked through it and i think it turned out pretty well so if you want to check us out on youtube uh we are we are up and running um is of the same name stand up and marvel uh so check us out that's all i got yep head over to
0: our anchor which is basically the central hub you'll be able to find links for facebook twitter i posted youtube in the text and uh, also uh, the other podcast uh, platforms that we're available on but that's it for this week's announcement Uh, join us on the next segment we'll be discussing the non-spoiler aspect of this episode so we're going to start off this non-spoiler segment about discussing the chronological order of each movie first we had black widow which was released on july 9th then we had chung chi which was september 3rd Then we had Eternals on November 5th. And finally, Spider-Man No Way Home on December 17th. We won't go into each movie and everything fully because on our previous episode, our 2021 summary review, head over to that episode and that's going to be more and expanding more on the movies and um, good deep dives and whatnot. So if you want to listen and watch all of that, check out the last episode for sure. But for right now um this is going to be our personal perspective and our opinions and our ranking our own, of what we liked of the
1: past year on the uh, there... bonus movie we're going to be adding uh, venom let there be carnage to the list uh just because of you know the inclusion of that now into the uh mcu based on the events of uh, the end credit scene of that movie as well as the end credit scene of uh, spider-man no way home so a um, bit of an honorable mention, I guess, but uh, we are including that, uh, at least in my, in my uh, ranking. Uh, Mike has not seen that movie yet. Um, understandably so, <laughs> but uh, it did uh, make it into my, my list. So,
0: Yep. So that's it for this segment. As I said, if you want to head over to the previous episode, please feel free to check that episode out as we go heavier into uh, spoiler
1: territory and everything about, about what just came out. Uh, But for now, there is also a uh, longer non-spoiler segment in that episode where we talk more high level about our general opinions about uh, the movies from the year. So that's why we're not going into that in depth in this episode.
0: Yep. This is going to be more of a fun just ranking of uh, the movies of the past year that we had in the year of phase four, where next week our part two of this episode is going to be we're just going to focus on the Disney Plus shows, but do the same thing. It's just going to be a fun uh, pretty quick episode. We'll see how it goes uh, of the of what we thought for the Disney Plus shows, and we're just gonna rank them how they came. So there's five shows, where um, there are four MCU movies, not including Venom. So for me, I have four rankings, and for Colin, he has five rankings. Uh, but is there anything else you wanted to add for the non-spoiler segment, Colin? All right, I think that's it. We're gonna take another break, and we'll be right back. Thank you so much for joining us on this segment. We are going to be ranking the movies and going through all four of them and five of them for Colin. And like I said, not going into as much of the heavy content related, this is going to be a fun episode and just discussing why the movie lands in our ranking. That's really what the main focus of the episode is going to be. So, I think, Colin, you should start off first because you're the only one with the number five. You're the only one with the number five. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sounds good. All right. So number five for me uh, was Venom. Um, Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. Uh, So, I mean, it was a decent movie. Um, I didn't hate it. It's just, uh, I don't know, all the Marvel movies this year were so good. And it's just, it just, it just wasn't quite up there for me. I, I don't know. You didn't see it, so I, I can't really <laughs> bounce a whole lot off you here. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff, and th- so some spoilers, I guess. You know, obviously, Venom Theory Carnage. It was all about the um, uh, the origin of Carnage, at least in uh, the Venom from the uh, spider, the, the villain verse, uh, like where that Venom or Carnage originated. Um, So this is the second uh, Venom movie, obviously. So the first one was about Venom's origin. This one is about Carnage's origin. And uh, there was another uh, character introduced in the movie, Carnage's girlfriend. Um, uh, I don't remember her actual name, like her character's actual name, but her like uh, super villain identity is Scream. Um, And as like a normal human, or I guess mutant, she does have like... um, you know, your standard, or your standard like uh, supersonic type powers where she's able to scream and just, you know, destroy people's eardrums drums and like send them flying away. And, you know, she just has really powerful vocals essentially. Uh, like if anybody has seen, um, uh, shoot, what's, what's that movie or that uh, show on uh, Hulu. Um, uh, uh, shoot, uh drawing a blank here. Do you remember what it's called?
0: Well. Wasn't she, cause I remember back in the day, wasn't she on one of the animated Spider-Man shows? Because that was the first time I think I remember seeing her because she was actually really scary to me when I was younger. Scream was scarier to me than Venom was. I don't know why. Maybe it was just the design choice, but I do remember seeing her in an animated form somewhere. I believe it was Spider-Man show. One of the animated Spider-Man shows, maybe not the original or one of the original ones.
1: yeah um sorry i'm trying to no you're good while show.
0: yeah you're good while you're while you're searching um i know we can't bounce off uh, many things about this movie because i haven't uh, admittedly have not seen it yet uh but i will what we can do is i can ask you some questions because i am curious about it Of uh, yeah absolutely not 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 so much you know what happened in the movie i mean feel free to spoiler away i'm fine with it uh why? What were the reasonings of why it didn't hit as hard with you? And I, and you're not alone because I I did read, you know, not just critic reviews, but I'm I'm especially with Marvel movies, I'm more looking at fan reception over critic reception, and it just seems that it landed around the same space that or place that uh Venom did, it, it, kind of the same reception, maybe a little bit better, I'd say. Maybe it was people were saying it was a bit more action-packed in the first movie um because I've only seen the first movie and I I will totally say in my opinion I didn't I didn't care for it 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 wasn't Tom Hardy I don't I, I don't know what it is I'm still trying to figure out what I don't like about Sony's villain-verse movies um I'm going to give Morbius a chance for sure but and I will watch Venom 2 eventually but I don't know what it is. I'll figure it out and I'll let you know and I'll let our listeners know, but I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what it is I don't like about them. So that's why I wanted to ask you, what was it? Like, what, what, what didn't hit? Was it the writing? Was it, you know, I don't like how they rely on too much CGI for Venom. That's the one thing I liked from the Rami, Rami movie was
1: that it was a mix of practical and CGI. Yeah, I mean it's it's really hard to say for me to be honest. Um, I, it's hard for me to put my finger on it. There were some scenes I guess that I didn't really like. There was um, uh, there was a whole bit with uh, uh, Tom Hardy and Venom or Eddie Brock and Venom where they were just like not agreeing on things, and Venom was like uh, destroying his apartment, and <laughs> um, then they eventually just split, and then Venom went off and got a new host. Um, and I just, I don't know, I just didn't really like that whole deal. Uh, and uh, at one point, Venom ended up like going into this like uh, uh, nightclub type place, <laughs> and hmm. I was just like going on stage and just talking about how awesome he was and how everybody was like so accepting of him, and he just like didn't expect that people would like him, and because everybody like there were uh, people had like crazy costumes, there and there was there were some people and like. Um, uh shoot what's it called uh when when you get these like over-the-top costumes at like conventions and stuff oh like cosplaying cosplay yeah so there was like some cosplay stuff and people just assumed he was cosplaying um (laughs) nice (laughs) uh so yeah everybody was loving him it was it was just kind of kind of weird a little bit cringy almost like spider-man 3 type vibes um so there were (laughs) there were definitely parts in that movie that uh that hit like that for me so um, in that regard, I didn't really like it, and um, there was like the the big fight between Venom and Carnage, and um, it was fine. And they kind of I don't know it's 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 really hard to explain why I didn't like it. I've also only seen it once, and it was a little little while ago at this point, so I'm having trouble remembering parts of the movie. Um, I wish it was available now, so I could have watched it before this, so I could actually talk a little bit more intelligently about it but, um yeah I don't know um it, it's really hard to put my finger on it it just it it was a movie there were some cool parts but it's I just didn't really love anything about it like it was fine it just I don't know I I just wasn't emotionally invested in any of the characters and I just couldn't really get behind it
0: Yeah, so it, I guess it kind of just feels uninspired for me. Maybe I don't know as much as I'd like to know about the character of Venom. So maybe that's not a right opinion to have, but that's just how I feel. It just didn't, they don't feel as inspired as the mainline MCU films do. Because even the lowest MCU films, like you're ranking, if you're ranking your, your own, you know, even the lowest Marvel movies you consider have something you can pull out of it that you love. And that's how I felt about the first Bennett movie that I wanted to like it. I really wanted to like it. it. There were just so many moments and maybe it was the writing and maybe that's the same thing that happened the second time around that it was like, why are we doing this? What is the purpose? What purpose is this serving besides just having fun? You know, if they're having fun and it's funny, cool, but if that, you know, I did see the movies, what, like only an hour and a half? You know, that's a short runtime, especially considering Marvel movies. You know, we're talking usually an, uh, maybe an hour, 45 minutes, two hours at least, to two hours and 20 minutes. So if you have this tightly packed movie, then the beats have to just keep moving. They have to keep moving along. But to back up what you said, what I've seen from the trailer, and of course, they show Act 3 in every trailer, obviously, we see that in the trailer very quickly, the fight scene between Carnage and Venom. And judging based on that trailer, I assumed that the final sequence, and I hope this isn't the case, but I assumed that the final sequence, the fight, that I, the main point of the movie, what I would want to see the most, was it just this CGI mess that you had a hard time kind of making out what was going on? That sometimes happens in Marvel movies as well. We'll admit that, that sometimes choreographed action scenes get a little bit too um what's the word i'm looking for it's just there's too much going on that it's hard for the eye unless you see it multiple times it's hard for the eye to kind of follow along with what's going on in the action and uh is that what happened with the third act with the fight between them the penultimate fight was it just kind of it looked good but it didn't really look good because it was just heavy 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 cgi
1: i mean not really i mean honestly like just given what I know about the characters Venom and Carnage, I expected to be like almost more over the top. Okay. <laughs> and it was got it. like there wasn't uh, wasn't enough going on for me. Uh-huh. Um, because like I I don't know I've seen like uh there's there's a YouTube channel Death Battle that has all these like uh like they go into in depth analysis about all these um uh. All these characters uh, and they like pit characters against each other in a fight to the death um after analyzing all their you know weapon sets and skills and everything and they like calculate their power levels based on things that have happened in movies and comics and everything and i think at one point they did um a fight between venom and carnage to see who would win and um like they made a video for it you know like uh you know they have animators that do all that stuff and sometimes they actually do live action ones which is cool but um, but anyway, I felt like that scene, like the ones that like Death Battle does, like was a lot <laughs> better, a lot like it showcased like all their abilities a lot better and stuff. And they just like didn't do enough for me, given like what I know those cap- there's characters are capable of. And they just, I don't know, it kind of let me down. Like I don't know. I guess I would have to watch it again, but I just remember feeling kind of disappointed from it. And um, one thing I was thinking about too. And it's possible that I just wasn't looking hard enough, but I feel like there weren't really many or maybe any Easter eggs in that movie. And that's like something that I I love, like constantly being on on the lookout um, in MCU movies. And I feel like they didn't put any in Venom. Um, And that's just something that like, when I spot something in a movie, in an MCU movie, I just like get really excited, you know, thinking about that and coming up with theories and stuff. Um, but I just I feel like there just wasn't any of that in Venom 2 but you know maybe I'm wrong the one the one easter egg I guess um, which was you know pretty blatant was the character Scream um, because she in the comics she does become a symbiote herself that didn't happen in this movie um, but uh, they they showed her like they made it appear that she died because a giant bell landed on her and mm-hmm. um, but it was like the open part of the bell that landed on her. So, you know, it's very possible she survived. And I, I think she probably did survive. And, you know, if there was a Venom 3, I could see her coming back and becoming a symbiote. So that's like the one and only Easter egg that I noticed in the movie. But, um, yeah, so I mean, I, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with that. And Well, sorry, the other Easter egg obviously being the end credits scene where they uh, reference Tom Holland um that was obviously a big one but there just wasn't enough of that in that movie again i might have missed some stuff but you know that's one of the things that i love about the mcu just like all the fan service and all the all the stuff that they've managed to fit into the movies um just to get people hyped and excited about things that are still coming you know and i just there wasn't a lot of excitement in the movie for me like everything was happening it was you know pretty predictable there was um no, like big plot twists or anything like that, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, so you're saying,
0: little... so you're saying, not as <laughs> imaginative, imaginative as you'd want it to be. So maybe not as uninspired, but just the, there wasn't a lot of imagination when it kind of came to the fight, the fight scene, and
1: like, I mean, uninspired is a pretty good way to put it.
0: Uninspired, okay. Yeah. Uh, but to the Easter egg thing, do you, mm-hmm. the Easter egg con uh, concept that you brought up, you mentioned because that is undoubtedly one of the best aspects, at least to me, uh, of seeing a Marvel movie, an MCU movie, and one of the direct ones, if that, that almost every single movie is filled with some sort of Easter egg, some sort of connections. So do you think that this is probably one of those examples, again, that we mentioned that where the real world, unfortunately, is blending into that fantasy world, where this was probably Disney saying, okay, you guys can only, Sony, you can only do this, or you can only show Spider-Man in the post credit, you can only, we're not gonna allow you to use, utilize these tools. You can only plant your own Easter eggs for what's going to be in your villain verse separate from the MCU, right? So you mentioned Scream, that's an Easter egg to me, that's more for whatever, and because obviously we know now they exited Eddie Brock back to Sony's villain verse away from the MCU, most likely that's probably what's gonna happen, we're gonna get a Venom 3. And it's going to be contained again to just what's being developed over in that universe. We'll just call it Sony's villain verse. So do you think maybe that could be a potential reason why the movie wasn't as packed with, you know, not just Easter eggs that were for the villain verse, but because they didn't have any
1: Easter eggs or any connections to the direct MCU. Yeah, it's very possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, if that is all they had to work with and they could only put easter eggs for their own stuff in there it is definitely a lot more limiting but you know spider-man's been around for a long time so there's still a lot they could have done um and i'm not super familiar with the comics so you know, i'm sure there were easter eggs in there that i missed i feel like there had to be but you know Maybe not. Maybe they just want to do their own thing and they're just, you know, limiting the amount of Easter eggs that they put in there. Maybe it was just screaming Tom Holland. Um, but yeah, I mean, that would make sense if that uh, if that's why they aren't able to put as much in there. Right.
0: So. Well, we'll shift away from Venom now. So that was Collins number five spot for the year of 2021. Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which I believe is available Across digital platforms right now to purchase. I don't know if it's already open to rent. It may be at this point now, um, but I don't think it's available on any streaming platforms. It's safe to assume that anything Sony related with Disney, Spider-Man movies, any of the Villainverse movies, we're just going to assume at this point they will not be available on Disney Plus. So you're going to have to go out to digital platforms, you know, Apple, Google, what have you, and uh, purchase them or rent them from there. Um, but I do believe Venom, let that there be carnage, is available now, at least it is. Lives. Yeah, I just checked. You can you can rent it. Sweet, sweet. Uh, but my number four spot, so my top spot of the year is going to go to Black Widow. Scarlett Johansson's final outing. Um, I'm not going to go into why I didn't like this movie because that will just you know. I'm gonna just say why I decided to to be why I decided for this movie to be quote the worst movie for me of Phase Four first year you know worst movie for me of 2021 I don't want to say quote worst movie because it wasn't bad but it definitely wasn't a higher tier Marvel movie for me with it by any means me I've been trying to put my finger on it and I've been trying to maybe give it a break because Yes, the movie was supposed to come out a year prior. It was supposed to come out 2020. And we know COVID, the pandemic. I felt this movie, aside from it, you know, being released after she had already passed. And, you know, not Scarlett Johansson, obviously, but Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff, the character herself, died in Endgame. I feel like if this movie, even if this movie landed between, let's say, Civil War and Infinity War, or Infinity War and Endgame. I don't know, somewhere along the lines of the years of 2016, maybe to 2018. If it landed anywhere around that realm, I think it would have been more impactful for me. I think that waiting around for this movie to be released and it being the first movie of phase four, not the start of phase four, which originally was supposed to be the start of phase four, WandaVision now being the start of phase four, you know, we had we had that, we had that show, then we had Falcon Winter Soldier. So, you know, the momentum is a little bit different already than we're used to. So, and then Black Widow also being a prequel movie, I feel like kind of was just it was a weird placement. So I'm not trying to, you know, give it a give it a whatever for that. I just think that that, that those those when I reflect back, that's I think one of the reasons why it didn't hit as as hard for me as the other Marvel movies this year and why it earned the number four last spot. So I don't want to say worse because it wasn't, I'll say this, Captain Marvel is my least favorite Marvel movie. It wasn't, you know, the worst Marvel movie to me, but it definitely was on the lower tier
1: list for me out of the- Let's circle back for a second here. Captain Marvel is your least favorite, you're saying of all time? Yeah, well,
0: just of the mainline MCU films. Like if I was to
1: look below. Iron Man 3 and... Yes. (laughs) Wow. Because there's
0: things, because you bring up Iron Man 3, right? I can pull out, you know, yes, cringy things about that movie that weren't great, that should have been changed, but there also were a lot of moments that were enjoyable. You know, his relationship with the young boy and their back and forth was really good and him like sprucing up his workshop and inspiring him. And there were a lot of fun beats in that movie. And I also really enjoyed as... Chaotic and crazy as that final act is in that movie, I mean, it was really cool to see all of his, you know, army of suits come in. You know, they all died and all were destroyed at the end. You know, that was unfortunate, but it was really cool to see all of his work come to fruition and see all these different, um, these variations of suits and what he really is capable of. And I think they gave a little bit more time to War Machine. And that was that. There was a lot of good development. I also really enjoy the scene when Air Force One gets blown up, and all the people are falling out of the plane, and he's like catching everybody. I mean, of course, it's Marvel, completely unrealistic, but nonetheless, it was it was a really entertaining scene to me. And I I think I saw an IMAX as well, so that, that scene filled the whole screen, and it was just there was just a lot of really enjoyable moments aside from how I feel about the story. Whereas in Captain Marvel. I was dragging my feet through that movie. Maybe I could pull out like one or two fun moments that I enjoyed from it, but yeah, overall, I think maybe I'll change my mind and I'll let you, I'll let everyone know. But as of now, Captain
1: Marvel is probably the at the lowest, like the okay. lowest point for me. I'll well, just uh, I guess a small announcement: we are going to be doing uh, a series of episodes. Yes. Yeah coming up where we're going to be ranking our all-time favorites um so that's going to be all the mcu movies as well as uh all of the non-mcu movies that have uh since joined the mcu so you know the uh um andrew garfield spider-man movies the the netflix series um we're gonna be ranking the series as well so that's all gonna be coming up so we'll be we'll be talking about that um Sometime in the next couple of months, we don't have a, a date figured out quite yet, so we'll, yep. uh, we'll circle back to that.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. You made a really good point. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, and just to close out my thoughts for Black Widow, I aside from those feelings, I also think the movie itself, the name was Black Widow, and I feel like she was kind of put to the side to serve Yelena and to serve Red Guardian and to serve these other characters that are coming into the fold. And that's fine, I'm cool with that. But I did, I do enjoy Natasha. We did spend a decade with Natasha. I have an emotional stake with Natasha, maybe more or less than other fans. I wanted to see, I wanted to serve her more. And I feel like it was as a character for her, her development and everything, it felt more as a filler than just like a nice like oh that was a nice like closing nice finish for everything for her oh it really just came full circle like come on Marvel like you should have at least given us a flashback scene with him and with her in uh Hawkeye in Budapest come on like there there are just a few they are gonna do it at some point I've referenced it enough post post the real world problems happening between Disney and Scarlett Johansson hopefully but um, yeah it's just there were a lot of things missing from the film that I'd wanted that I wanted and I also feel that with the risk of this year of phase four using new act or new directors new writers you know using a lot of new creative minds I feel the director didn't really have a grasp on what are the core components of a Marvel movie and really just how action is fleshed out. I feel the action wasn't fleshed out as well as I'd like from other movies. There wasn't any memorable action scenes. And um, and I don't even want to go off on Taskmaster because I already know you're, you're going to mention, probably mention that when you uh, talk about where, where Black Widow lands for you because I'm sure they'll expand more on Taskmaster, but I think everyone can agree that the way, that the direction that they chose to take Taskmaster was a bit disappointing. so But uh, um, those are my thoughts I'm going to close out and why I think it earns the number four spot for me for 2021.
1: Um, Yeah, for me, I I mostly agree. Number four for me was also Black Widow. Um, It's only four movies here, so there's not a lot of uh, diversity in our uh, rankings here. Um, But yeah, uh, like I said, mostly agree with everything you said. One of the things that really bothered me in the movie was how many times they made fun of uh, Natasha like whenever she lands and does a pose. And it was funny the first time, but they just kept doing it over and over and it got old fast. Um, And uh, for me, I was not a big fan of Yelena in that movie. Um, So in our Hawkeyes finale, I talked about it a little bit and I don't know what it was. I just didn't really like her in, uh, in Black Widow. I found her character kind of annoying. I liked her a lot more uh, when she uh went in the couple episodes that she was in Hawkeye. Um I just thought she was pretty annoying in um in Black Widow. So that was that was a big part too uh for why it landed at number four for me. Um but you know overall it was still a pretty solid movie um aside from those issues so that's why it beat out venom for me. <laughs> um, And I I did like Red Guardian. Um, I've known about him for a while. I don't know a whole lot about his backstory. I just more just know that he existed and I like that whole prison scene where he's uh, arm wrestling everybody and telling stories and just showing off his strength and there's that little uh, uh, reference to Captain America. and uh then one of the in- inmates, you know, correctly points out that uh, the time period that the Red Guardian is talking about doesn't, and I've talked about this before, uh, it doesn't really match up with um, when the real Captain America would have been around because he was in ice at the time that the uh, Red Guardian claims that he fought him. So you know, that's a reference to a different Captain America um which hopefully we'll see at some point either in a flashback or maybe we'll see him. In modern day just an older version of him and you know there will be because we actually talked about this in our last episode um mm-hmm. that red guardian and that uh that other captain america might end up uh being part of uh what was the team the thunderbolts thunderbolts yeah so you're we predicting they might be part of thunderbolts so you know uh like i mentioned when i was uh talking about why i didn't like venom you know there's just another easter egg and that's that's again why it uh, beats out venom. But um they're just I don't know, maybe part of it is just, just the uh low power levels, which is <laughs> not really a fair way to rank the movies. But when I see, you know, Marvel movies, I wanna I wanna be blown away by you know the power levels and just uh you know all the uh action scenes and everything. And um, you know, Black Widow's just a normal human who is trained very very well trained and that's it you know she has some like some gadgets I guess but you know her power level compared to the others is very low um and it just wasn't as exciting to me um but I mean it, it wasn't a bad movie it just it just didn't quite do it for me um I didn't really have a whole lot to say about Taskmaster I know you uh, assumed I would but um and we had to talk about this last week, but Taskmaster's power set is very similar to uh, Echo's, and um, we're going to be seeing more of Echo, uh, obviously, because we have that upcoming series. I don't know how much more we're going to be seeing Taskmaster, because like, the whole thing with Taskmaster is that um, she was um, only like in the Taskmaster suit when she was... Uh, being mind controlled <laughs> right so i don't i don't know if we're going to see her without the suit moving forward or if we're not going to see her at all because she's not being mind controlled anymore so i don't really know what to expect with that character nope. um i don't know if i'm excited to see more or not <laughs> I, yeah so we'll we'll see what happens with taskmaster um i could see there being like some kind of fight at some point between echo and taskmasters because they're so similar but mm-hmm. Um. yeah I don't know it was it was a fine movie I just I didn't love it <laughs> so yeah it's number four Black Widow mm-hmm.
0: yeah I think you brought it full circle and added a little bit more to what I said it pretty much served the newer characters for the most part and even then the new characters were riding her a lot of the time in the movie so overall it just felt that it didn't it didn't serve Natasha the way that I'd want it, wanted it to serve for her final outing, like her fat, her last thing. Like I said, I feel like it would have hit harder for me if this was back in 2017, back in 2018. And then we saw, you know, end game and said goodbye to her there, but who knows that's the way, it, that's, that's the way it worked and that's how we got it. And it's, I, I'm going to give it another shot. I'm going to watch it again. And maybe my mind will change, but, um, but moving on to the next ranking, my number three spot I chose was Eternals. And Eternals was a very interesting Marvel movie in it that it was filmed very, I think, unconventional where Black Widow, I feel was a conventional movie related storytelling and how it was filmed and everything. Eternals really shook everything up and there was a lot of interesting concepts and a lot of intriguing characters, but then there was a lot going on. I mean, they were juggling 10 characters through multiple generations, multiple timelines. There was a lot going on. Um, but the overall experience, I think it the reason why it land better than Black Widow for me is because it was just more interesting. And I feel that it had more of an impact for the rest of you know what the future of the MCU is going to be. And I'm not trying to be hard on Black Widow because Black Widow is the only prequel, but you know, you could really const- Consider a good portion of Eternals as a prequel. You know all the flashback stuff that we see, is somewhat of an origin story, I guess, more or less. It's but, going
1: all the way back to essentially the yeah the birth of big, man, right? So yeah, it's the biggest prequel of them all for sure. Like it's the <laughs> ultimate prequel, right?
0: And um, it was fun. Like I I enjoyed a lot of the beats. I thought that it was funny where it needed to be, and. It wasn't over the top funny like some Marvels can be. Um, The action was entertaining. It was, you know, yes, it was heavier on CGI than other Marvel movies, but it needed to be based on what was happening and what they were doing and what it was, what characters were in it and their abilities. Like it needed to be as heavy. I don't know how they could have done that with more practical. I really, I really don't know. Um, Yes, there were things that I that I didn't like, but I I don't want to drive home you know, the negativity and the, what could have been better and this and that I'm not a movie maker. Chloe Chow, I think really elevated the cinematography and really, um, took the movie serious. And that's why I respect her filmmaking because there were a lot of beautiful, beautiful shots, like beautiful, practical lighting. Like they were filming on location where a lot of Marvel's filmed in a studio. You, you felt the environments and you felt a lot in that movie. And, um, it was breathing, you know. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a movie. It was a good movie, but I think that maybe it didn't have as much excitement as you'd want for the other Marvel movies. So I think that, and some of the characters might not be as interesting as people would want them to be, and just how the way it was filmed and how it was kind of unconventional. Yeah, it didn't really hit as hard for people this year. I think as much as Marvel might have hoped um you know just talking to regular people people that aren't as hardcore as us i think that movie pretty much landed on the back end for everybody i even know a couple of people that didn't even watch it yet they're waiting for it to come to disney plus yes there's covid yeah we have the omicron variant now but you know this was back in november i think people kind of just i don't know it i don't know how i don't know if they reacted the way that everyone really wanted them to react but nonetheless it's here, it, it, it went, and it's about to be available on Disney+. Plus. More people are going to have an opinion. More people are going to have a perspective. I'm going to watch it for a second time. I just don't think that the movie was as bad as everybody let it to be when it was released. And that's just my opinion. I think there was a lot of good things that you can take from it that were overlooked because of certain people's expectations, maybe. Um, and the post-credit was solid, what it was. I mean, it, it totally went over my head. When I heard that voice okay, Kit character is opening the box. He's looking at the sword. He's about to be a character. Who knows? Good, bad. We'll figure it out. We'll find out. But we hear a voice. And initially, I thought it was a live action Jeffrey Wright, like the Watcher from What If. I don't know why. That's like the voice I heard right away was like, what do you, you do? wanted to hear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my brain was just giving me what I wanted to hear. Exactly. So instinctively, I heard Jeffrey Wright, the Watcher like, what are you doing? You're messing up everything right now. Stop it. And, uh, but no, I was very wrong, but I was so happy to be wrong because when I went home and I looked at the, and looked on the internet, it was actually Mahershala Ali's first line as our new blade for the MCU. So that is very exciting. Also another post-credit scene from Eternals, you know, I'm not a One Direction fan, but my sister was, is, and, Having Harry Styles in the MCU just kind of opens the door for a whole nother audience that Marvel probably hasn't had before, expanding it yet again. Um, I haven't watched him enough to really have a judge of character of how he is acting, uh, but I'm going to give him a chance. And I think that the execution was handled well. And that was an exciting moment in the movie was this is the brother of Thanos. And I like where they left it. left the movie off. And I really want to know more. I want to know more of what's going to happen with them, with the Eternals that were captured by Reshma or, um, what's his name? Erisham, Erisham, uh, were taken by the Celestial. I think there was three of them left on earth. And then the other four that were left alive, um, went off in space and maybe they're going to cross paths with Thor in love and thunder with the guardians, or maybe down the line, they'll show up in guardians volume three. Uh, maybe we might not see Eternals for a couple of years, but, um, I don't know, I, I it was more impactful for me than Black Widow and that's why it earned its spot um, further on my list.
1: What about you, Colin? Uh, yeah, I a, lot of, a lot of similar thoughts as well. And uh, yeah, my number three, uh, again, not a lot of diversity here, uh, also Eternals, uh, really the only difference is our number one and two. Um, so for, uh, for Eternals, um, it was definitely a challenge for them because they had so many different characters that they were trying to introduce um, in one origin movie. So they had the Ten Eternals, they had Ereshkigal, they had uh, Black Knights. Uh, you know, the brief introduction in the end credit scene of uh, Blade, as well as Thanos' brother and the like uh, troll that was with him. You know, these are all brand new characters being introduced for the first time. Um, I might even be forgetting. <laughs> or two there were just so many and uh you know obviously the the deviants you know it was the first introduction of them just the i guess they have talked about the celestials they've referenced them but this is the first time that we've really seen the celestials in action um so you know there was just so much stuff uh being introduced for the first time in this movie so it was a challenge um so the fact that it wasn't well received it's not really surprising just because the amount of stuff they were trying to jam pack into this movie but i still really enjoyed it i loved angelina jolie um <laughs> just uh all of her fight scenes the choreography was just awesome um and uh, uh let's see what <laughs> what else so uh obviously so why did this beat out black widow for me um I think a big part of it is that for Black Widow, it felt like uh, a conclusion, like all those stories, uh, all those characters, I guess the three characters, um, Black Widow's uh, mom, I forget what her actual name was in the movie, and then Red Guardian and Yelena Belova, uh, like they were all being introduced and it felt like pretty much the end for Red Guardian, like I'm sure he's going to come back, but he was introduced and then it feels like he's, he's basically out like that's the only appearance that we're gonna see. So there just, there just wasn't like a whole lot to look forward to at the end of Black Widow, whereas there's so much that uh is going to be coming up as a result of the Eternals movie. Um you know we've got the celestials, we've got like you said, the uh, uh eternals that are in space um that might interact with Thor, Guardians of the Galaxy, whoever else. Um, and then we've got the uh the Eternals that were taken away by Erisham, and there's the whole mystery behind, like, you know, why, uh, why did he take them, why did he let events play out the way that he did, because I'm sure he knew what was going on, he knew about Thanos, but he let it happen, And like, you know, so there, there's a whole lot of uh, discussion about, like, you know, why all that happened, what's going to happen, what are, what are his motives, and um, then of course, you know, there's the big question is, is Galactus coming? There's just, there's just so much coming and I, there's just so much hype and excitement about that movie. Um, so that was why it beat out Black Widow for me. Uh, but why it didn't land any higher, uh, in my mind, at least, uh, even though there were a lot of good, good parts. And, you know, like I said, I loved Angelina Jolie and, um, there was just so much new stuff, so many so many things to look at. And like, I really want to rewatch it to see all that stuff, but there were also a lot of slow parts because like the whole point of the Eternals is that they don't get involved. <laughs> I think I think that was why they had so many slow parts in the movie. It's just to really drive that home. Like this is like uh, one of them like settled down and had a family and he's just like, he hasn't been involved in, I don't remember exactly how long hundreds of years, I think he's just been chilling. Um, so I think that was a big part of why, maybe people didn't like it just because there were so many slow parts, but it was necessary. It's, it's what those characters are. Um, and part of it also might've been just like, you know, why haven't they gotten involved with, uh, with Thanos and with everything else that, uh, the Avengers have been defending the earth from and Dr. Strange, you know, like, um, why haven't they been involved in any of those big threats and they just had orders to do nothing other than, uh, defend against the deviants you know that was their orders and they were following them strictly and nobody knew um why they were supposed to be doing that they were just blindly following orders except for their leader and um i'm i'm struggling with names because it's been a bit since i've seen this movie but uh the leader and the one person that she entrusted with the information the, the guy that ended up ultimately uh killing her um so maybe you can refresh my memory on that I, I don't remember either of their names yeah it was Icarus Icarus yeah Icarus yeah. killed her at, uh,
0: played by Robert uh Robert Madden I believe and then Ajax Samuel so
1: yes yes thanks yeah so Ajax and Icarus um but yeah so um yeah that that's why it landed at uh at number three for me um, there was also, I remember somebody pointing this out, I'm sure a lot of people have brought this up, but there was um, a, a, an explicit scene in the movie um, that uh, I think uh, a lot of parents who brought their uh, kids to the movie were probably not too happy about. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was. Uh, I don't remember who that was with, I think it was Icarus and... Circe. Circe, yeah, thanks. Yeah, so I think that might've been a, a big part of uh, why a lot of people were upset. It was completely unnecessary, but it was there and <laughs> it was not really um, typical of, uh, of a Marvel, to Marvel movie to put a scene like that in. Um, so that might've been a big part of uh, why a lot of people didn't like it, um, especially parents. As a parent myself, I can, I can understand that. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, so that's that's why it's at number three for me. I agree. You
0: made a really good point. Like I said, it 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 definitely was an unconventional Marvel film, even with that aspect of it, because that that I I was even I'm not a parent, and I was even like, oh wow, okay, we haven't done that before. All right, so it it was it earned the PG-13 rating this time around for sure. It it not because of the violence in this, just because it was a very deep adult like adult themes like it was deep with adult themes for to it which all made sense right because it served the purpose of these characters so it makes sense but you're right like taking a parent into that you know it's slower there's a slower draw and then there's these shuffling these intense you know adult themes and societal themes throughout the film you know there there was deep 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 cuts throughout the entire movie i mean about humanity too so I feel like the movie was, it was just really, it was a really deep movie. And I, even though it's not higher on my list, it's arguably one of the most exciting movies like I'm
1: looking forward, like going back to. Um, yeah, There's just so plus. much going on. You yeah. just want to see it multiple times just to yes. catch everything. Yes. Um, and speaking of uh, movies that are not great to uh, bring your kids to, Um, another one that I heard from a friend of mine, uh, they just like, you know, brought their kids to the movie and did not really plan ahead or, you know, look at what everything that was going to be in the movie, uh, black widow, uh, because yeah, that's a little surprising. Right. But, um, in the beginning they had that scene, uh, where the two girls are being taken basically against their will. Uh, to be trained to be these assassins and they're doing like pretty terrible things to this like truckload of kids and you know the kids are asking their parents like why are they doing that Like just it's kind of traumatizing Mm -hmm. um and i mean it makes sense it explains the origin but it's it's pretty dark like that's not you don't want your kids to see that movie you know until they're until they're old enough to already have been you know Destroyed by the world, <laughs> yeah. You know, painted, but um, but yeah, that's it. Was it was pretty dark, at least the beginning. There, it was very dark.
0: Yeah, and I think that a lot of people have actually said that, at least people that I've mentioned or spoken with in my uh, my world, my bubble. Um, some people think that Marvel isn't dark enough because it's Disney, right? But I think presenting this and talking about it now, this kind of proves that, and also shows parents that, okay, maybe we need to do a little bit more due diligence before we just, oh, it's a Marvel movie, superheroes, let's take the kids, let's go ride. Like, it's gonna, the same thing's gonna happen with Star Wars, right? Where they're laying down this foundation slowly, they're planting the seeds, like, all right, people, like, we're like 20, 30 movies out now. Not every movie is gonna be, you know, kind-hearted, upbeat, positive happy go lucky you know they kind of got to, gotta get it get they have to get it ready for the real dark stuff that's going to be coming that should be coming right I right. mean think about yeah. multiverse and madness think about blade <laughs> think about Deadpool I mean come on think about Wolverine what they can do with Wolverine right I'm almost positive insomniac games is gonna rate the their new Wolverine game rated M because they said they're taking it in adult mature. What direction instead of Spider-Man? So I think that I've had so many debates with people that Marvel will make, Disney will make a rated R Marvel movie. They will. It's only a matter of time. They 100% will. Maybe not in this phase. Maybe not sooner than I think. But it's it's already proven. You can make a billion dollars with a rated R film. That 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 old like stipulation and idea is out the window. If you have enough at stake for a rated R movie it's gonna it's gonna kill in box office I mean sorry but some parents aren't as great as others like you like parents still take their kids to rated R movies like still take their kids to those kids still went to Deadpool the first two Deadpool movies when they came out like I went to the theater I saw kids in there too so you know that's gonna happen no matter what but I could be wrong, I just think that Disney and Marvel is trying, and we already know Kang is coming and that's gonna be a very dark character compared to Thanos. And I think that just parents and Marvel and Disney is just getting everybody ready. Like, you gotta be a little bit more mindful, like things are gonna, there is, there is gonna be a lot of moments where it's gonna be really dark and we're gonna be talking about
1: deep cut themes and have adult concepts and whatever, but. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking like which movie, kind of started this uh tendency to go more dark in the MCU. I think it was yeah. Infinity War or uh, uh yes, Infinity War. Just yeah. at the end, just the very end of the movie, the snap. Yeah. I just like I can't imagine being a parent trying to explain to your child I'm sure Spider-Man's fine you know <laughs> yeah oh he'll <laughs> be back you don't, don't worry. know like yeah. oh man that that oh I'm so glad yeah. I didn't have to be a parent in the movie theater trying yeah. to explain to my child like Spider-Man's yeah. gonna be okay Groot's gonna yeah. be fine they're all yeah. gonna be yeah. fine
0: <laughs> yeah you're sitting there an emotional mess yourself yeah. despite the age because you're in this and you're just like all like crying and then your young kid just turns to you looking for solace and looking for guidance and you're just like i don't know
1: i don't know what's gonna happen
0: yeah i i could imagine that was that was definitely a that's moment for surreal. sure uh but yeah you're right i off the top of my head i mean i'm sure there's a couple things we can pull throughout fate the you know the saga the infinity saga but you're right off the top of my head i think that's really when <laughs> that conventional act three, you yeah. know, the superhero wins. Then Disney, Disney more. Yep. Gets rid of the <laughs> villain. And that that's another thing that people uh, do not enjoy about Marvel movies is the, the formula of the Marvel movies, right? We already, we go, we know going into the Marvel movie. Sure. It's safe to assume that at the end of the movie, the hero is going to win and the villain is going to lose. Right. But I think that we're now shifting that concept in Marvel. I mean, think about Eternals. Like, yes, they won essentially but they didn't at the end right i mean we kind of where we left eternals like it's not a satisfactory ending you know they're they're split up half of them are in space a couple of them died
1: and yeah, you know like the, four of them died three of yeah. them were kidnapped only three of them are actually still free doing their own thing right now and yeah. uh yeah <laughs> it's not a typical uh formula for sure for a Marvel movie
0: yeah and I think that like they served that and then people still didn't receive it like the way that I think they really thought they were
1: going to but yeah knows? all the more impactful when you realize like you know how old each of them uh, was like all the characters that were killed off and how long they've been around how long they've been defending the world and the fact that they're immortal and you know their lives being cut short after all this time I mean, saying cut short is not really um, right. it justice mean, <laughs> it's not, not really giving it justice. They've been around yeah. for thousands of years, um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, cut short compared to infinity, I guess. Um, right. <laughs> so yeah, those uh, definitely different.
0: <laughs> yeah, and if there's any viewers or listeners that haven't cared about spoilers and are still listening and still watching and they haven't given it a chance yet. I, I recommend to everybody, give it a chance. Definitely watch it. Don't, don't let everybody else steer you away from the Eternals. There are definitely a lot of things to take from it that are, are really enjoyable and really good. And I think it's definitely worth a watch for sure. Um, but closing out Eternals, we're now going to go to my number two slot, which is like Colin said before, this is when things get interesting and when the, the diversity uh, happens And luckily we don't have a huge fan base because I'm sure I would be getting a lot of anger right now from this, but maybe not. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home is my number two of 2021. And the reasoning behind this is because Spider-Man No Way Home was an incredible, incredible experience. It blew me away. I enjoyed every moment of that film however looking at it as a film and looking at it as a marvel film too and its story right and everything else that's going on except for the fan service stuff the ooh the ah you know the whole movie was ooh ah ooh yeah like it was just it was so good right but take all those things out of it and just look at it for what it is like look at what it how it served you know strange or how it serves peter and not only that but
1: just i mean i think the best way to think about it just imagine like five years from now just going back and rewatching it right you already know all the big the big hits that are coming Mm -hmm. and
0: i you make the raise the biggest point and that kind of just pivots into what i was going to say that's how i feel I feel that it wasn't as, yes, it was, I would consider it Spider-Man Endgame, but I don't, still don't have it as high up for me in excitement level of Infinity War and Endgame because that was just so epic and there's so much going on. But this, as for just Spider-Man, just focusing on Spider-Man, don't get it twisted. This is my favorite Spider-Man movie of all time, aside from like Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, Toby Maguire. Like this this was everything I wanted it to be. And the challenge of the, and the complexity of bringing in three franchises of my, Spider-Man cinematic history, and then also giving us, which they really didn't need to do it, giving us a little bit of more of development for Toby Spider-Man and Andrew Spider-Man. Like, it was just, it was so good. But but those moments, those beats, all that, all those things, like from the moment they appeared on screen, and honestly, I think you agreed with me too when we had our episode of No Way Home, they were on screen way longer than I thought they were going to be. Like, they, they were pretty much in the last half of the movie. And that was awesome but the attention kind of shifts, the audience's attention really shifts away and we really just start focusing on that, right? And we start, like, I feel like the main story, like, oh, we got to, like, cure these villains so that they are okay to go back to their universe and they're going to be good and not bad anymore. Cool, I'm by that story. But in my brain, I put that story in the back burner because of Toby and Andrew giving each other, you know, uh, breaking each other's back. (laughs) <laughs> and like mentioning like really like oh that's how you get your webs your webs just organically come out of your wrist like that's weird like i love that i laughed i will enjoy it numerous times when i watch the movie but like you said as for a movie itself like further down the road when all of that goes to when all that's done and all the excitement like how many moments of that are you just going to skip over some of those moments and just watch other parts from the movie because you like those moments more you like the action beats or whatever. It's just, it, 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 earned spot for me because it, as a movie, as a storytelling, it, it didn't serve as much uh, as, as high as I expected it to be, but it served in every other aspect and more like it, 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 it Further than what I thought it was going to do with some villains and, and the Spider-Man characters and whatever. So yes, best Spider-Man movie of all time. Definitely it's up on tier for me, Marvel related, even though same thing, you know, maybe the conventional is a little twisted in this movie. It does have a lot of regular Marvel beats, but it it's up there. I'd say mid to high tier for me, definitely probably in high tier Marvel. Um, but just story-wise, it didn't earn the number one Number one spot for me, and we also, I think we've talked about it off air. But Colin and I both assumed that not to speak for you, but we, I think we both assumed that this movie going into it was going to serve the multiverse and serve the MCU in its entirety more than just serving the universe of Spider Man and exploring it, really explored Spider Man's cinematic history in our real world the past 20 years instead of giving us more phase four beats and expanding more on what's coming down the road. You know, it just, that's where it, 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 it didn't hit for me on that, and the grand picture of everything, but it served everything I wanted and more for Peter Parker and Spider-Man and that's where I'll leave it.
1: Okay, cool. Um, all right, so my number two is uh, Shang-Chi. Uh, so I really liked the movie Uh, I thought all of the choreography uh, was amazing. Um, And, you know, uh, Marvel has attempted to do uh, some uh, martial arts (laughs) in their films and their movies. Um, As far as I know, the the only real major attempt there was uh, Iron Fist. I think <laughs> like, like time. with an actual like dojo and, um, you know, specifically mentioning like the, the forms of martial arts that they're using and all that. Um, like, I think the only major attempt they've actually done is iron fist. And, uh, you know, we've talked about that before iron fist, uh, not a popular show. Um, choreography is not very good in that show. And, um, Shang-Chi is just so well done. Um, I loved all the fight scenes. Um, and the character Shang Chi, uh, just I just really liked, um, I just really liked them, just really enjoyed them um, thoroughly. Uh, so there wasn't a whole lot that I didn't like about the movie. There there were some there were some parts that I've talked to you about, some like some things that were just like very uh, convenient that just really didn't make a lot of sense to me, uh, just really kind of bothered me. Um, so, uh, I guess I'll mention a couple of them. There was the, uh, the scene where they were um, uh, captured uh, by uh, the Mandarin, right. And um, he like locked them in, in the, the the basement, like prison cell or whatever. And um, Shang chis uh, sister mentioned that uh, she was able to like get out um, through like the, the underground tunnel or something um, the last time she was locked in there. And it just didn't make any sense to me that someone is, you know, who's been around as long as the Mandarin and, you know, he's commanded armies and, you know, he's, he's a strategic master. It seems like that's kind of how his character was presented. And I just couldn't see him making a stupid mistake like that, locking somebody in the exact same place without doing anything to counteract it or prepare for it or secure it better you know, at least like lock them in a different place if they were able to break break out from that place before. Like, it just didn't make any sense to me. Um, I mean, maybe he never managed to figure it out, but I just, I don't believe that. <laughs> so, you know, there's just that moment for me, just didn't really make any sense. Didn't, you know, kind of bothered me. Um, and then, you know, the convenience of meeting uh, the actor who was pretending to be the Mandarin from Iron Man 3. Um, you know, I love that they brought him back. Uh, he was really funny. Um, but just the fact that he just so happened to have a, a mystical creature with him from the place, the exact place that Shang-Chi needed to go to, um, you know, to stop, uh, the Mandarin's plan. Like it was just really, really, really convenient. <laughs> just like, didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I mean, the only way that I could explain it and be okay with it, I think is if, um, somehow Kang's hands, where in it like he arranged it and made sure that it would happen that's the only way that i would be okay with it the mm-hmm. fact that you're just saying like you know it conveniently that creature just conveniently managed to be there and uh the actor somehow understands it cuz like he doesn't have any like speech i there's as far as i know he doesn't speak telepathically either he's just been locked in there long enough with the actor that he just happens to understand him um if, I, to be fair, they do the exact same thing with Groot, so I can't I can't sure. fault it too much. But at the same time, uh, they do claim that uh, Groot is a language that you can learn because Thor does mention that at one that, point. Not
0: to cut you off, I wanted to mention that because they explore that in the new Guardians video game that came out. And they, like, make fun of Peter for not fully, like, knowing, I think they make fun of Peter for, like, not fully knowing, like, Groot's, like, language, because it's, like, this, like, ancient language that has been passed down, but not for, like, a lot of people. Like, so it's a very, like, niche thing. And plus, like, his planet or, like, his species is, like, eradicated for the most part. Like, I think he is, and I think they mentioned Volume 1 or 2, probably 2, um, where he's really, like, the, he's the last of his kind. And uh, you're right. So it's, like, I, I I think Rocket is the only one that's supposed to actually know the full language and fully, like, how to communicate with Groot. So it wasn't, like, a learned thing. Like, he had learned that language before because Rocket has been, like, all over the place. He's, like, absorbed, like, so
1: many different things and so been around so many different people, cultures and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, uh, continuing with the Shang-Chi. So... Yeah, like like i said there were just a lot of moments that were just like way too convenient and i i know they have to put things like that in movies sometimes but i feel like they could have come up with a better a better way um like i don't know uh breaking out of prison and hitching a ride at the uh, uh, under the like bottom of the like carriage or vehicle that they that they drive to the destination or something like that something that would have just made more sense and would have required effort and not just like super convenient plot points you know? So it just, it bothered me. Um, And then of course uh, the fight scene on the, uh, what's it called? The like scaffolding on the side of the building, uh, the like nightclub or whatever. Uh, Just the fact that like every time Shang-Chi got Kicked around by a ninja, he just conveniently landed on another scaffold. But when one of the ninjas got kicked around, they immediately fell to their death. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just, it's not going to happen. And, you know, if there was a fight scene like that in real life, like it just, it just, it was way too convenient, like the way that those fight scenes ended up going, I mean, I love the choreography, but just the the convenience of some of the things that happened just really, really bothered me in that movie. And maybe I need to pay more attention to that in other movies, maybe I'm overlooking things in other movies a lot, but it just felt like there was way too much of that in shang And that's really the only reason it didn't take the number one spot for me, because overall I thought the movie was great. Like I said, and I, I've said this many times, I love the choreography and that was a big part of why I enjoyed the movie so much. Um, and uh, the whole fight scene with the dragon, just uh, just loved that whole thing. Um, and uh, you know the introduction of the uh, uh, I don't even remember his name, the the like the dark one or whatever that guy, the the like evil dragon that was uh, imprisoned. Um, you know, so there's a lot that I loved about the movie, um, but uh, but yeah, it just wasn't quite number one for me, honestly. I'm considering putting it lower in my, on my list yeah that's fair <laughs> but that's i did enjoy one. it but the more i think about this i i feel like maybe number three would have been more appropriate because i really yeah, do want to see eternals again and okay so i think i'd be fine with not seeing chung chi <laughs> like it was it was good yeah. but i i feel like i'd be i'd be watching it to like enjoy the action again but i wouldn't be like looking for things and trying to find Easter eggs and just trying to catch everything that's happening, which is, you know, a big part of why I would want to see Eternals again. So I think, I think I might actually change that to number three. (laughs) Oh yeah.
0: So, okay. So moving Eternals to number two. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm swapping those. (laughs) Well, you, you had it right here, listeners and viewers, you saw happen live (laughs) action, real time. You saw happen in real time. Um, Yeah, I agree. I think there were a lot of things that were convenient uh, to serve Shang Chi, and to also serve the story of the movie. I mean, yes, we're watching movies based off of um, comic books, but there is sort of uh, a realism that that they've established, and um, you expect that. And and I agree. Um, I just think that, like I said, it, it was it could have been done probably a little bit more organically. I do know that the director the he is a younger director to come on and do this where I believe that the director that did black widow was an older director who's been made more movies has more under filmography under her belt where I think he did a Destin Creighton, I think is his name. He did better to me, like understanding what a Marvel movie is and like what people expect from it, like in the audience. It was just, yes, because it was a new character there was another level of excitement that you didn't have with Black Widow. But I think overall, just the story beats and the movie itself was very exciting and way more exciting than than Black Widow. Um, but that's apples and oranges. I mean, that's not fair for me because that's, um, it's, it's, it should be obvious now. My number one is Shang-Chi. And um, like I said, I agree with Colin, but I think that this is probably... Aside from the original Iron Man movie, because it's the original Iron Man movie, it's iconic and it's what led us to what we're at now. I think this is one of my favorite origin films. And yes, I agree with you. Going back, I would watch it primarily to enjoy those action scenes again, especially now that Disney has increased the format, the IMAX format for the TV. So you can now watch the scenes and the IMAX scenes in full. Uh, Really looking forward to seeing those action scenes. But The reason why it landed number one for me it's not so much because of the movie yes the movie was my favorite movie Marvel movie of the year but how Simu Liu the the actor who plays Shang-Chi how he dealt with the gravity of becoming you know kind of a small c-list actor who's trying to find work and has been appearing in a little bit of things here and there to land this role to also in my opinion totally crush this role and to own it he owned it on the screen and he owned it in our real world too like he owned it on social networking he owned it in interviews like going on to like jimmy kimmel and like all these like huge like things that all these big time actors do and all these press markets and whatever like he just had this awesome awesome presence you know, off the screen and on the screen where I feel like he just fit this role like a glove. And the reason why I, it's my number one and why I love this movie so much is because I love him. Like, I love Shang-Chi. I love his character. They sold me entirely. Like, on him, I'm with him. I see him as one of the top Avengers. I see him as one of, uh, like, a potential leader as well because to me, he is an inherently good person. And that's what I bought from that. To me, there's no, I didn't have any bouts where I was like, oh, maybe he might do something bad instead, because he's It's going to serve himself instead of others. He is very mindful of his family, his friends, and just the whole defiance of his father was awesome. And I just really, really enjoyed him. And that's probably one of the main reasons why I would also go back to seeing it again is, yeah, not so much. You're right to see there were mm-hmm. Easter eggs. It was packed with a couple things. You know, we had Abomination, we had uh, Wong, and there were a few more um, that were that. Yes, they kind of served the story. And yes, they didn't really need to be there. But that's what Marvel does. You know, those that did feel more organic, right? Did that feel more organic to you than some of the convenient storytelling beats that happened later down the road? Like,
1: yeah, yeah, that definitely. Was, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So I I just think overall um, it was an exciting film. It was a solid Marvel film, solid film itself, aside from it being a Marvel film, just a superhero film in general, because you really, yes, things were convenient for him in some of the action sequences, but they really did a good job letting you feel like he's powerful. Like he's been really trained for a long time. Like, and you can feel it. Like it just, and it kind of just turns like we don't like, journey with him through it right we don't really we see a little bit of him training a little bit but really it just he, we're with him in the beginning he's a regular guy and then boom it flips and he's really capable of and it just goes further and further and further and further until he gets the rings in the end of the movie and then he just does that whole like dragon ball z move with the dragon and i was just i literally was like yes in the theater like i was like yeah like it was just it was so awesome like i I loved it i loved it so much and yes i had that moment in no i home too but i we knew that was gonna happen like it was like we i i was trying to lower my expectations and of course i wanted the spider-man to be in it but i literally did not think it was gonna happen because i was like how are they gonna do this like there's no way this is gonna happen like and it happened and it was awesome but going into shang uh character new film new concepts it was just it was a roll of the dice right we didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into for the most part. I hadn't known much about the character I have a couple of read for him because there's a run that's currently going on. but it boxes for me. and that's why it hits number one. it just it did such a good job making me invested and ready for of him and what he is going to bring to the table because it's safe to assume he's going to be on the new Avengers team. so
1: Uh, yeah. So just a couple of things I wanted to add on to there. Um, I mean, your number one is your number one. Just a couple other issues I had, I guess. Um, so you had mentioned how, uh, you know, he's, he's been a normal guy for a while and then all of a sudden he just turns into this awesome, like unexpected, you know, martial arts expert. Cause you know, everybody on the bus is like, "Whoa, where this guy come from and his friend who he's known for a long time, just had no idea that he was like such a good fighter. Um, that, that bothered me a little bit, because I know he was well-trained as a child, but he hasn't done, as far as we know, any martial arts for, like, 10 years, right? That's a long time. That's half of his lifetime. He's, like, early 20s at this point. Um, and, yes, it would come back to him, you know, if you've trained that hard when you were a child, I have no doubt, and they show him, like, doing push-ups and stuff in the morning, but it it's implied that he hasn't really done any, like, legit martial arts training for 10 years and then all of a sudden he's like in his prime like that just didn't that didn't really make any sense to me like if the fight scene the first fight scene on the bus went a little bit differently where he was like you know stumbling having a couple missteps and just you know trying to get back into the flow of the martial arts that he was trained in 10 years ago that would have made a lot more sense to me but he just immediately was a master as just That felt like more of a superpower than like what he's actually supposed to be, which is just, you know, somebody who's very, very well-trained in martial arts. So that that kind of bothered me a little bit. And then you mentioned the the Dragon Ball Z (laughs) moment near the end of the movie, Um, which I did like that. Uh, I'm not saying it was bad, but when I was watching it for the first time, I was expecting him to do like like a, a super punch or something. It looked like he was winding up to like, you know, do like a high speed uh you know fall from the air super punch like combo with the rings or something um and instead like when he was still like 100 feet away he pulled the uh rings out of the dragon so i was like (laughs) oh like like i wanted it to be this like big epic explosion (laughs) or something yeah it was cool it's just not what i wanted in that moment i was expecting something else it made sense given you know Mm. given what the rings are and he himself like he wouldn't be able to like puncture the hide of a dragon or whatever the dark one is and i don't know if he's technically a dragon um like it, it made sense but i was still a little disappointed in the moment <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: so coming back to your point about just the martial arts and the peaking i have no background with martial arts i've never done it i've never practiced it i just in my mind as an outside viewer and audience person um when you, you raise a good point but looking back on how I took it, I just took it that like you train for, however, it becomes a learned thing. You know, even if you don't do it for, it's like cursive. Like right now I could write cursive perfectly and I haven't done it in 15 years and I learned it in one week. Completely different, right? Completely different example. But I just take martial arts as like a functional, like learned, thing that it just becomes like muscle memory in a sense and so i didn't take it he's peeking out and maybe that's not what you meant that he's like peeking out as a character you just took it that he he, he peaked as a martial
1: arts i'm just saying he's uh, at the same he's, he was immediately at the same level that he was at uh when he was at the peak of his training as a child that's right that's what i was right.
0: saying yeah yeah because the he does evolve as a fighter when he gets the rings obviously so that right. that yeah like I, yeah, I agree. I do see that. I look, I think like, it would have been cool to have uh, more of um, an organic, you know, he's stumbling around, at least in the fight with the, uh, you mentioned the fight, the first like sequence we get, even though phenomenal sequence, like Colin said. Yeah. I think the fight cinematography in this movie is up there for some of the best in, in Marvel in, in general. Um, but I agree. I think maybe sliding around a little bit acting having a little bit more clumsiness and trying to like learn again like have come back like we should have journeyed with him it coming back to his memory again you know yes Mm -hmm. even though it might be a muscle memory thing because he's at risk yes maybe we can go into the spiritual thing like oh maybe it was like his spirit and his his from his mom's spirit spirit in him that basically just lifts him and enhances him to like be the best at martial arts but yeah, you know, Marvel dubs him and he is, I think, he is, quote, the master of Kung Fu. So, yeah, they definitely served that, but they might have served it a little bit too much, you know, for, you know, like Colin mentioned, he raised a really good point because this was a first movie. And we are undoubtedly going to get potentially two more movies, a trilogy for him. And I, I don't know about you. I think you agreed to when we did our team up last week. Uh, he's going to be on the
1: Avengers for sure. Like that, 14. yeah. Uh, one thing I was gonna mention, I, I'm I'm gonna stop uh, making fun of the movie, <laughs> um, making negative comments. Uh, so, uh, I was thinking about it more. I was just trying to like think uh, of all the characters that have been brought into the Avengers roster um at first i thought he might have been the first that was brought on by somebody other than nick fury but i think spider-man was actually the first because he was brought on by iron man um but i think he was the second i can't think of anybody else before him who was brought onto the roster and he was brought on by wong which was great <laughs> wong who we did not know at the time was actually the sorcerer supreme <laughs> Yep. another fun little detail um, yeah but yeah, it's just, I don't know, just an interesting observation, I guess. So, you yeah. know, that's like, you know, what's going on with Nick Fury? Last we saw, he was in space. He's no longer apparently recruiting for the Avengers. Other people are doing it for him, which is, I guess, great uh, in in such a way that, you know, uh, the Avengers is kind of uh, its own, like, um, you know, living group now. They're They're operating on their own without like the need of uh, oversight by somebody like Nick Fury. They're doing their own recruiting, expanding and defending the world. And, you know, that's awesome. Like, that's what it should be. Um, they no longer need Nick Fury to recruit for them. They're doing it on their own.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause it's an idea, you know, the idea of the Avengers will continue Simple. and they established that in the first movie, you know, it's, it's the idea of the Avengers and that will live on no matter what the team's going to be. Uh, so, yeah, we're definitely getting this, like, Independent vibe right now from all of the Avengers that are still alive. I think it—they're giving us the feeling that there isn't like a core team together yet. Where it seems like we're everyone's kind of apart and doing their own thing, but they're you know everyone has the same idea in mind. They're trying to protect and you know, but it seems you know we saw Banner, we saw Captain Marvel uh, at the end of Shang Chi as like a hologram. They're all having like you know called a meeting and. Yeah, it seems like we're getting we're inching towards them bringing another team together, you know, when when the time's right, obviously. Um, But again, Chung chi I liked where they left it off. You know, I'm ready to continue his adventure again. I like how he has his man in the chair like Ned, you know, uh, I think Aquafina did a great job. I think I was worried about her being a little bit too much herself where she would just be kind of not annoying but just like it was too much of her where she's just too much like sarcasm too much joking around but I think she did a great job I think her comedy was needed when it when it when it needed to be and it wasn't over the top and it was just I I like how they actually kind of explored a little bit with her like she kind of might be a fighter might have something going on with her so you know they did it with Ned in Spider-Man No Way Home you know he opened the, the gate and they're giving all these like the side characters that usually don't get any breathing room or get any development. They're letting, this, they're, the, they're letting our minds explore the idea that there can be more to the table with these side characters that typically are conventionally here to serve the main characters, right? And she could have just been here solely to serve him and she didn't in some ways, but I loved her too. Like I'm excited to see where they're gonna take her character as well. And I look at them kind of as, as a right now more so him being like independent and being himself and like, uh, let's say like Captain Marvel or something like that. Even Iron Man, you know, Tony, yeah, he had War Machine, but he really liked doing stuff alone. And you know, people were there to help him, but he was very independent in a sense. Um, that's what I like. I like how he is this kind of, he has a best friend, you know, possibly romantic relationship. I don't know. Um, that it's just, it's a very upbeat, very um, well-developed, you know, uh, story line and arc and i i'm not arc yet but I, I i'm really looking forward to see
1: where they're going to take him so that's my number one of the year for sure cool. and uh yeah even though i was bashing it quite a bit um you know to be clear i did really really enjoy the movie i just had some some issues with it here and there that was just barely enough uh to push it down to number three for me um but i i agree it was a fantastic movie i really enjoyed it um but yeah, so then for me, uh my number one, um, and as we know, my uh my rankings are not static. <laughs> they, they can fluctuate and uh my number one here may change as well. Um, hopefully not right now. <laughs> but uh Spider-Man No Way Home was my number one. Um it was just such a great movie and you know uh, like you were saying and like like I talked about I have to think about like you know if I was to come back to this five years from now when uh you know the initial um you know emotions of seeing like Andrew Garfield and Toby McGuire on the screen for the first time in this movie like when when I'm past that and it's no longer this big like amazing surprise that uh Marvel or Disney has gifted us with you know, once I'm past that and I have to decide if it's, um, uh, you know, if it's, if it's still a good movie, if it still holds up. Cause like, if I, if I go back and rewatch Avengers end game, it doesn't matter how many times I see that movie. I am always just bawling at, uh, at the portal scene. Like it gets me every time I just, it, I'm just blown away every time I see it, no matter how many times I see it. And, um, I don't think Spider-Man's going to have that same, same staying power. Uh, but Even ignoring that, there were just so many good things in this movie. Um, I just loved all the scenes with all the different Spider Man, um, uh, Spider Man, Spider Men (laughs) interacting with each other. Just the chemistry between all their characters um, was awesome. Um, And obviously, you know, like you mentioned, they were able to further develop, you know, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's characters a little bit. And I just, I just loved all the little touches that they had, um, all the little. Uh, all the little whips that they had um, or the quips that they had throughout the movie, just the little jokes here and there. Um, and um, Tom Holland just gave an amazing performance throughout the entire movie. Uh, it just really showcased the the depth of his, um, uh, his abilities as an actor, just, uh, you know, the action scenes, the emotional scenes um, when Aunt May died and uh, just, you know, he was killing it you know the whole movie he was great um and uh then uh you know there was that initial fight scene with goblin after uh after he was uh you know trying to um uh trying to fix all the bad guys um and then goblin revealed his true colors and they had that big fight scene and you know goblin was like what's it called uh power bombing <laughs> Spider-Man through the floor and then Spider-Man or Tom Holland did uh, you know uh, the move from the video game which doesn't matter how many times I see that it's it's going to be awesome every time Um, you know so there are a lot of things about this movie that I'm trying to you know think about it through a future lens that are still going to have staying power like that 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 scene when uh, Aunt May dies that's going to get to me every time Um, and just that big fight scene, uh, with the uh, Sandman, Lizard, Lizardman, uh, Electro, and all three of the Spider-Man joining up. And um, even though it's not going to be a big shock, I'm still going to love that brief, like thirty second scene with um uh, Matt Murdock, <laughs> oh, yeah. just coming in as a as a Tom Holland's uh, lawyer. There's just like it. I know that might not have as much staying power but just like whenever I go back and see that I'm gonna be like man this was like such a big thing when it came out they did so much with this movie and I don't think I'm ever gonna get over that completely um but yeah it was just it was such a good movie um so yeah that that was my number one there's just yeah I just loved it
0: <laughs> I loved it too I really did uh that scene with Matt Murdock he just grabs the brick he's like Tom Or Peter's how did like, you how, do that? how did you? <laughs> I'm really good lawyer. <laughs> it, was just, it, was just, it was just so good, and it was so light. Like, obviously, we wanted him to come back, but we're gonna get him. And I think get him an echo. I think it's gonna be a show. I think they're gonna continue as a show. Was it confirmed yet, Colin? Did you read? Uh, no, ben, it, there was as like as some know, fan theory going
1: confirmed, but uh, the theory is that he's gonna be an echo because you know echo is kingpins. Uh, shoot uh niece right yeah. um and you know uh, they made it look like kingpin was killed, but you know they did the typical trick you know panning the camera away right before the gunshot so it, he's coming back you know he's going to be kingpin's going to be an echo echo obviously is going to be an echo and it wouldn't make sense with the uh introduction of matt murdoch to not have daredevil in echo so It's nothing has been confirmed as far as I know, but it's very, very likely at this point um, that he's going to be in Echo. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So the question is who else? Uh, I mean, Hawkeye might be in there. It's obviously Echo was introduced in Hawkeye. Um, Might have Kate Bishop in there. Mm -hmm. Yelena Belova. So it's just just a question of who's going to be in there. They're all in the New York area at the moment. Um, So so we'll just have to see who we get uh spider-man could even have an appearance um yeah maybe just like one episode one episode or something but i could definitely see him see him being in there as well because i mean at this point it seems like he's not going to have any more standalone movies so it's pretty much just going to be like one-off appearances moving forward and you know avenger team ups and stuff like that um so i could i could very easily see him making an appearance in echo just because of that so, yeah,
0: yeah. I I think we do get another Spider-Man trilogy,
1: but like down the road, like not anytime soon at all. And you I think completely- it's going to be with Tom Holland. Though? I feel like it would maybe be with like Miles Morales or something. Yes, yes. Ask me
0: in a couple of years because I really don't know <laughs> what they're going to do with Tom. It's really up for debate. Um, he did say he he he's staying for sure. And they are the right. They're they are in the writer's room. They are discussing, you know, really how to take, where to take Spider-Man next. But based on, you know, what we know so far and what we've seen them do, like you said, Colin, there's a good chance, more than likely for now, he is going to show up, you know, more or less to serve other characters, whether it's cameos, you know, prize here and there. Definitely going to be in the mainline Avengers movie, whatever the next one's going to be. And then I'd see, you're right, maybe down the road after maybe even finishes. the We get a movie where the torch gets passed from Peter over to Miles. I completely agree. I think that that is where we're headed with that. Not, the, not Peter, but the entity of Spider-Man. It's pretty clear that we're, the torch is going to pass from Peter to uh, Miles in the MCU at some point. And uh, it's happening in the video game world right now with Sony and Insomniac games. It's happening in our culture. It's relevant. People love Miles Morales. People want more Miles Morales. We're getting the, I think Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse is definitely up there for most anticipated movie for me this year. Will they catch magic in a bottle twice? Sometimes it happens. A lot of times it doesn't, Uh, you know, will the sequel top the first, um, who knows? Time will tell. Comes out in October, but I, I think it's it's very clear that we are eventually going to get a Miles Morales live action, and and I agree. I think that that could be the next trilogy. Um, but as Tom getting another trilogy, it really depends how how close because of his age and whatnot. But as for now, like for now, you know, Sony and Disney are working, luckily working together and. Doesn't seem like there's going to be any more scary, you know, oh, we're not getting Tom in the MCU anymore. We're not getting Spider-Man. He's taken out, he's back with Sony now. He's not in the MCU. That's not happening anymore. Like we're, we're going to get the consistency. We're going to get it all, but, um, but that's it. I think we pretty much wrapped up all of our thoughts on the, uh, our review of the Marvel movies for 2021 and the first year of phase four. Uh, my ranking was Black Widow, Eternals, Spider-Man and Shang-Chi. Collins was Venom, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Spider-Man, No Way Home. But do you want to correct me? What was the, in real time, you you switched? Uh, I I corrected them on there already. Okay. Okay, so I did read it right. Venom, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, yes. Eternals, Spider-Man, No Way Home. Excellent. Uh, So that concludes this week's episode. Um, We're going to take a break, and we're going to finish off with the conclusion segment.
1: Uh, Before we take a break, though Uh, because i did have a note to mention this in here there was a fun fact that uh, that we learned about um, since we were just talking about spider-man no way home a minute ago wanted to mention this apparently um andrew and toby snuck into uh, a premiere of uh, spider-man no way home and nobody knew they were there uh, because you know they were wearing masks and they had hats on possibly glasses so nobody was able to recognize them they just snuck in there and saw it so that's that's awesome
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. The articles up online, you did on IGN that's pulled the, pulled the source for, uh, for this. Uh, but yeah, we did type that in the notes because that was a really, uh, fun story beat that dropped this week where, um, yeah, I think it was Andrew that was interviewed and he said, yeah, you know, me and Toby went in and we went on premiere night and masked up and had hats on and no one knew we were there. And that's incredible. Yeah. You know, take, take a really crappy thing that happens in society. Like, oh man, we have to wear mass and be you know yeah. confined and but they that almost works to their advantage right yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. advantage now we don't even know when they're walking around us they're not even getting any attention now you know mm-hmm. covered up so taking a negative making it a positive if it was hey if it wasn't for covid then uh Toby and Angie probably wouldn't have been able to sneak into a premiere without getting noticed because their star power yeah. is you know through the yeah, roof
1: especially um, going into that movie. Everybody's probably like looking around, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, definitely.
1: Um, but yeah, I think that that
0: wraps up this segment, and uh, we'll take a break and transition to the next one. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of Stand Up and Marvel. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me was Colin Tracy. Next week is going to be part two of our MCU Phase Four, Year One, 2021. Uh, ranking of the Disney Plus shows. So, we're going to try to keep it within two hours. We thought we'd have, we wouldn't have enough to talk about for the movies. There's definitely going to be a lot to talk about with the shows. But we're going to try our best to keep it within the space of two hours, but expect to listen to a lot of what we have to say about all of the shows that came out last year because they were awesome. And I can't wait to talk to you, talk to Colin about it and for you all to hear it next week. But uh, until then, Thank you you so much for joining us. Colin, do you have anything to add before we uh, say goodbye?
1: Yeah, I'm just uh, excited to talk about the shows next week. It's definitely a lot to go over. That'd be good. That it is. Until then, catch you next time. Take care.